beautiful late October morning. Uh, for those of you that don't know, my name is Ron Padilla. I am one of the elders here at Northwood Community. Uh, I am blessed to be with here, here with y'all today as, as the Cruets and the Dardiches continue to be a blessing in Romania. And, and today, uh, we will be continuing our Sunday series, The Acts of the Risen Christ, Jesus' Work Through His People to the End of the Age. Uh, today, we are actually officially about one-third of the way through Acts, uh, and we will be finishing up Acts chapter 9 by looking at verses 32 through 43. Uh, but before we dig in, uh, please pray with me. Father God, um, I said this earlier as, as, as we gathered together as a worship team, but it still holds true, and I, and I say it again to you. Thank you so much for your love, kindness, and grace towards us, Lord. We are not worthy of any of it, but you give it out so freely. We're so thankful that we have the ability to gather freely to praise and worship you, Lord. And as we begin to look at the wonderful ministry of Peter today, Lord, uh, please allow your words to be heard, uh, not my own. Uh, please uh, take any distractions or sin or anything else that we may have that would hinder us from uh, truly hearing your word and to be able to save it away in our heart and, and let us lay that at the feet of Christ this very moment, Lord. This is your day. We're so thankful for that. And we lift all this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So what do we know from our study of Acts so far? Well, we know that the book of Acts was presumably written by Luke and is a historic account of the first 30 years or so uh, of after Jesus' ascension into heaven. Uh, we know that the 12 disciples began to spread the good news of the gospel throughout the regions, carrying out Jesus' great commission from Matthew 28 to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is important here because the last thing that Jesus promised before his ascension was that he would provide a great helper. In doing this, one that we as believers can and should draw all of our strength from, the Holy Spirit. So through the first part of Acts, we see Peter, John, James, Stephen, and, and Philip continuing Jesus' work through the Holy Spirit preaching and teaching the gospel, resulting in the blossoming of the early church throughout Jerusalem and beyond. In Acts 1 and 2, we see Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit to empower us as believers to be upheld. In Acts 4, we are taught that through the power and trusting in him, Jesus gives us a boldness to speak the word. And in Acts 6, how that trust and fear or reverence of the Lord allows us true generosity for his people. And this love and generosity creates a unity within his people, the church. We've learned that this good news, the gospel, is a powerful gift for, for those that repent of their sins and accept Jesus as their Savior. And through this acceptance, even the most horrid of sinners, like Saul, can still come to the loving arms of Christ, cleansed of that sin, filled by the amazing power of the Holy Spirit, and be used as a magnificent tool to spread the good news, to evangelize to the lost, and to be an encouragement to those who believe. 
That brings us to today's reading. Today, we're going to walk through Acts Acts 9, 32 through 43, and look more closely at Peter's ministry and how the Holy Spirit brings salvation through the healing power of Christ. We're going to do this by first looking at the Scripture itself to read the, the story, if you will, that has been left for us to see. And then we will take a look at the two main takeaways from reading about Peter's miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. But let me just quickly say, before we dig too deep into this, while while this is the recounting story of physical healing by the Holy Spirit through Peter's ministry that leads to salvation, let it be said, while, while these types of acts are still seen today to help bolster and prove the power of the gospel, the, the bigger picture then and now is, is not to simply heal someone's ailments or to extend their life on earth a little longer, but it is the, the one great healing that can only come from Jesus Christ. It is the gift of eternal life that none of us are worthy of, but he offers so freely. A gift that, that we as believers are called to speak boldly about and to display through our time here on earth as a public proclamation of the great healing and transformative power of Christ. So if you would, uh, let's start by opening up our Bibles, our apps, or a weekly word and prayer to Acts 9, 32 through 43. We're starting to get towards the back quarter of the Bible at this point, so it's wedged uh, right between the Gospel according to John and Romans. Uh, Once you've gotten there, let's all take a collective moment to to ask the Holy Spirit to come over us to clear ourselves of, of any sin or distraction that I had prayed for earlier that may hinder us in hearing the word as God means for us to. Okay, so let's begin. Now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. Now, this is an important starting point for our story today, not because it's an actual starting point, but because this is really a culmination of events that has led us here. The building blocks of the early church, if you will, as seen so far through Acts. If we remember earlier in Acts, Peter and the apostles began their missional ministry only to be met with harsh resistance, resulting in arrest, imprisonment, and even the death of Stephen and many others, which then scattered the church throughout the regions with continued persecution. But then, a miracle change of fate. Saul, as we read last week, was converted and began to preach the gospel himself. So so this is the first we've read of Peter in some time, but because of this dramatic change of events, verse 31 prior tells us that the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in fear of the Lord and in comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. And this peace allows Peter to bring the gospel to all of the regions outside of Jerusalem. 
It allows Peter to freely begin this evangelical tour. He was traveling all through those regions, teaching and preaching, as well as being an encouragement to those that already knew the Lord. He came down also to all the saints who lived in Lydda. And while this starting point for our portion of the story was built upon the events of Paul's conversion, this also becomes a building block for Paul's ministry later, as he then brings the gospel message to the Jew first and then the Greek, which is to say all people, no matter their earthly station or plot. But let's save that for another day. (laughs) So Peter brings the gospel to all the regions outside of Jerusalem, and, and finds himself in Lydda. Now, in Lydda, or as it is pre- presently called Lod, is about 50 kilometers outside of Jerusalem, or 31 miles and about 10 hours by foot. And, and this is what took place once he got there. Read with me verses 33 through 35. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately he got up, and all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. So Peter heals Aeneas at Lydda in the name of Christ. He heals Aeneas in the name of Christ. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Now, we really don't know much about Aeneas as as there is really nothing more shared about him in Scripture other than this little bit. So we, we can't say with any certainty that he was or was not considered a Christian among his fellow townspeople. But what we do know for certain is that Peter, not knowing this man at all, sees him and immediately tells him to make your bed. Healing him in the name of Jesus all to see, and that this healing power through the Spirit had a very intentional purpose. In response to Aeneas' healing, many were saved, and all who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him, Aeneas, and they turned to the Lord. Now, it it doesn't explicitly say in here, uh, in in the Scripture, but I think it is safe for us to assume that that since there was such a large gathering of people from the Plains region of Lydda here in in Lydda, from Sharon in Lydda, and, and that Peter's intent for being there was to evangelize, and that many were brought to the Lord, that Peter, after healing Aeneas, in the name of Jesus, boldly took that opportunity to preach the gospel, and the Lord blessed that teaching by which there were so many conversions. I don't know how y'all do on road trips, but, but when I roll into town after a full day on the road, I'm much more concerned about stretching my legs, getting out of the truck, getting a bite to eat, and relaxing. Not humbly taking time to bring the gospel to all those around me, That's exactly what Peter did. And it's of no coincidence that as Peter heals Aeneas, he says, make your bed. Just as Jesus, when saving the paralytic, had said, take up your mat. No, this this serves as proof that Jesus Christ heals. Not Peter, but the Holy Spirit working through Peter, continuing Jesus' work here on earth.
And this was, this was all done as, as, you know, it was still fresh in the minds of everybody as Jesus had already ascended into heaven just a short time ago. See, Peter is simply living out that missional ministry that Jesus commands us to be as believers with the promise of the Holy Spirit to help and guide us. Have any of us heard of, of, of one of those stories from someone we know about a person they may know, not necessarily even knowing whether they are a believer or not? A story of them in a difficult life situation or season or a true medical hardship? One whose outcomes simply cannot be explained by man's reasoning? I quickly turned my thoughts to our dear brother John Leone's father, Dominic. I guess it's been about a couple years back now that he was diagnosed with cancer. As non-believers, this was a huge blow for Dom and his wife, Nancy. As for John, Kathy, and the girl, girls whose trust is firmly in the Lord, this became a critical time for prayer for them and all of their prayer warriors. While Dom certainly had a difficult season as he and the family went through the steps of medical protocols and and various treatments, the the brightest of outcomes was not really what was given by the doctors. But miraculously, through that process, Dom was deemed completely cancer-free with absolutely no medical explanation by the doctors. But Dom had one. He said, this must be a miracle from God, from all the people that had been crying out in prayer for God to heal him. Now, both Dom and Nancy are still working through their thoughts and and beliefs in, in Jesus, which is definitely something more for prayer. And John and Kathy and the girls would cherish all of your prayer to continue to lift him up. There's no way of knowing how many people have come to Christ through this story, nor do we have an actual number of those saved in light of by this miracle. But what we can be assured of is that God continues to give us these amazing, unexplainable stories of unbelievers being touched by the healing power of Christ so that more and more will eventually come to know him and put their full trust and faith in him. Now, while Peter is in Lydda, news travels of this preaching, of his preaching there, and at the same time, there are events that are taking place in Joppa some 12 miles away. Read with me uh, verses 36 through 42. I'll get you later. Now, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This was... this woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at the time that she fell sick and died, and when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near, Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and brought him, excuse me, so Peter arose and went with them, When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. 
And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So here we're introduced to Dorcas, whom we can assume, unlike Aeneas, is a believer by uh, her description of someone abounding in deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did, even being called a disciple. Even specifically, her help towards widows with their needs as they showed Peter upon his arrival, all the garments and, and tunics that Dorcas made for them. We see that Peter comes to Joppa and resuscitates Dorcas in the name of Jesus. And this is proven by Peter kneeling down and praying before telling her to arise. When she opens her eyes, it is said that he presents her to the saints and widows, which really infers more of an acknowledgement of the power of Christ and, and what it has done more than a, hey, this is what I just did. So Peter comes to Joppa and resuscitates Dorcas in the name of Jesus. And then, just as at Lydda, it became known all over Joppa. And in response to Dorcas's being presented alive, many believed in the Lord. And again, just in Lydda, it can be presumed that Peter was able to take this opportunity to once again boldly present the gospel to the people. I read this story of Dorcas, a true believer and doer of good deeds, given this extra time on earth, not only to continue her ministry, but but also praise Christ's name and grow the kingdom. And I can't help but think of my cousin Daniel. Um, Many of you here today knew Daniel. But for those of you that never had the pleasure of meeting him, Daniel was one of the most godly men I have ever known in my life. He was that guy that that would show up for something you planned hours late just to quickly explain how he needed someone to, to help someone he saw broke down on the roadside how he made sure to get them where they needed to go and, and to get them the, all the assistance that they needed with their vehicle, and, and all the while getting to know their entire life story, sharing his, presenting the gospel, and praying with them. Daniel went home to be with the Lord two years ago. His anniversary of that homecoming was actually just two weeks ago. What's truly amazing about Daniel's story is that It is really Jesus' story, and Daniel was simply a part in it. And that's exactly how Daniel would describe it. When Daniel was in his 20s, he was diagnosed with a very large and aggressive mass in his brain, cancer, and was only given months to live. And, And if he were to make it through the surgeries, the treatments, and everything else needed, those months would most likely be spent inaudible and wheelchair bound. God had a greater plan already laid out. Daniel went through the surgeries and the treatments, and he lived nearly 15 years past that diagnosis with complete mental and physical capacity. Daniel went on multiple mission trips around the world, helped plant local churches, sacrificially gave of his time to any family member, friend, or acquaintance that happened to need help, all the while proclaiming God's glory to all who would listen and even many that would not. Northwood. 
It is only through the healing power of Christ that we may have these amazing stories of Dorcas and Daniel and so many others. Amazing stories that continue to be told for all the glory of His name and the building of His kingdom. So, Peter came to Joppa and he resuscitated Dorcas in the name of Jesus. And the result was that many were saved. Lastly, we get to verse 43, and it says, And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. See, Peter saw the value in staying in Joppa to continue his ministry, not just quickly pulling up stakes and off to the next place. No, he, he wanted to continue being an encouragement and, and source of teaching of the, to the new believers as well as any brothers and sisters that already knew Christ. And this thought of not only bringing the word to the people in need, but truly investing in people so that they may grow in their relationship with Jesus is why we, as a church body, hold fast to that same thought process by calling ourselves a redemptive community. Gathering together from all walks of life to worship regularly, all brought together by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, but also making intentional time throughout our week to to come alongside our brothers and sisters, whether by small groups or CBR or or inviting people to our home or, or meeting out for an occasional cup of coffee. These are just a few ways we too can continue our ongoing ministry to others. So to recap, Peter begins begins an evangelical tour bringing the gospel to the regions outside of Jerusalem. He goes to Lydda, where he heals Aeneas in the name of Christ, as well as to Joppa, where he resuscitates Dorcas, also in the name of Christ. And in response to these two miracles and the preaching of the gospel, many are saved. So, Ron, what does all this mean for us, you ask? Should we all slap on a pair of sandals and our best tunic and begin healing people in the name of Jesus? Well, I wouldn't say that there's anything within Scripture that promises us the gift of healing in sandals or without. (laughs) However, I do believe the story of Peter's ministry does reveal two results of the healing power of Jesus. First, is that when we truly live as Jesus' ambassadors, His Spirit empowers our ministry. And secondly, when non-believers witness the power of the Holy Spirit through our ministry, they will come to know Christ, to believe the gospel. So let's take these one at a time. First, when we truly live as Jesus' ambassadors, His Spirit empowers our ministry. Acts 1.8 tells us, but you will receive the power of When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. So we are called to become, so are we called to become healers of the sick? No. But when we are saved, when the healing power of Christ comes upon us, when we are made new by being born again, we receive the power of the Spirit to now be His ambassadors, 
his witnesses to Jews and Gentiles, believers and non-believers, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria alike. And this power given to us by the Holy Spirit then manifests itself within us all in very unique ways. Romans 12, 6 through 8 reminds us of this. It says, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So those of us here today that are believers, I ask you, what are your spiritual gifts? What has the Holy Spirit empowered you with and how are you using those gifts to encourage your fellow believers and bring the gospel to those who don't know the Lord? Are you committed to building up fellow believers by using your gifts through intentional encounters? Making Sundays a priority in your weekly life? Truly talking with and listening to those around you in small group or CBR or or any regular group gathering to, to hear the needs of each other and finding ways to meet those needs either by your abilities or that of those you may know? Are you unsure of your gifts or, or how you can be a help to others? I would encourage you to ask those who trust and know you the best so that they can help identify what those gifts may be. Reach out to your pastors or, or elders. We would cherish the opportunity to come alongside you in this journey. Pray. Ask the Lord to show you His will in your life and know beyond the shadow of any doubt, it is his promise to strengthen us, to empower us to do good deeds on his behalf. One of my favorite reminders, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He who strengthens, not us people. Do we truly believe this to be true? Is this how we're living our lives? Do we walk out of here each and every Sunday knowing that he powers us in everything? It's not our own power. I promise you I get that wrong on a weekly basis, almost a daily basis. Getting into this scripture has has been so encouraging to me because I have so many times that I'm willing to say, God, I got this. I'm not going to bother you with with, with this. You've got important things to do, big stuff to do. I don't truly believe that he is the one that's strengthening me as a newfound creature. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of me, wells up within me. And when I leave everything at the door and, and truly believe in him, he is the one that gives me all that great power. How are we using our gifts, our time, treasure, and talent to come alongside those who don't know the Lord? Are we engaging a neighbor that we regularly see and and having conversations that are spiritual in nature? Are we asking a coworker if they'd like to do a Bible study together? Or are, are we asking a stranger that we just met if there is anything that we can be praying for in their life? Again, 
these are just a few ideas that may or may not work for you. But if we are all intentional with our time and those around us, as Mitch suggested two weeks ago, if, if we think of two or three people that we know and put together a plan that utilizes our strengths, not to make them all projects, but to show them the same love that Jesus has shown us, we will be allowing the Spirit to work through us for His will. Now remember that, that while we may all have different gifts or strengths, it does not exclude any of us from the command to boldly profess our faith and the healing power of Christ to others. When we truly live as Jesus' ambassadors, His Spirit empowers our ministry. Secondly, when we are living this out, when we are living as empowered ambassadors of Jesus, non-believers will witness the power of the Holy Spirit through our life, our ministry, and they will come to know the Lord, to believe the gospel. Matthew 5.16 tells us, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is exactly what we see taking place in Lydda and Joppa through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter heals Aeneas and and, and Dorcas and boldly proclaims the gospel, and, and the results are written. Many came to know the Lord. As we talked about earlier, just like Peter in the original 12, we are commanded by Jesus to carry out the Great Commission to make disciples of all the nations. Thankfully, we do not have to do the work of saving people. That is solely the work of Jesus. As Matthew 1.21, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and so many other verses promise us. It is, however, for us to boldly profess the gospel in Jesus' name for all to hear, planting those seeds so Jesus may do a great work. Romans 1.16 tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And this is both a great encouragement for those of us that are believers, and also a great sign of hope for those who have not yet given their life over to the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, take great joy in the fact that we have been saved by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and in turn have been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And take great encouragement wherever you go, knowing He will give you the strength, the words, and the wisdom to boldly proclaim His glory And for any of you here that may have not yet accepted Christ, this is great hope for you because Jesus Christ died for all. No matter how guilty you may feel from past sins, no matter how you may have been hurt in the past by a church or or people claiming to know Christ, God's healing power of salvation, the good news of the gospel, is bigger than any burdens we may carry. His blood cleanses away all sin. And if this is still something you need clarity on, but but you have interest or is in some way tugging at your heart, please come see me after service or, or, or one of our members. 
or fill out one of our Connect cards so that we could uh, get together at a time that would be more comfortable for you to be able to discuss this. But I do plead with you, find the time, ask the questions, seek the answers, continue to pursue this because God loves you and he wants what's best for you according to his will. And he will never stop loving or pursuing you. So today, through the story of of Peter's ministry in Lydda and Joppa, two very clear results of of Christ's power through him, that as Jesus' ambassadors here on earth, the Spirit will indeed empower our ministry to those around us, believers and and non-believers alike. And when non-believers see the difference in our lives, when they witness the power of the Holy Spirit through our ministry, Christ works a mighty work. He opens their eyes to the gospel and they are made part of the kingdom through their repentance, His saving grace, and the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we look to end our time here today, I'd like for us to really think and reflect on these questions. As Mitch and Rory and others that have been up here continue to say, please, don't let this be the couple few minutes that we take through the week to reflect on how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are pursuing you and how you might pursue them greater. Dwell upon His Word morning, noon, and night so that He may be glorified. Take time to share these thoughts with those around you so that the mighty works he is doing in you may be known to believers and non-believers alike. Ask yourselves, how do you currently see yourself as an ambassador of Christ? What spiritual gifts has the Holy Spirit empowered you with so that you may best heed his command to help spread the gospel message? How can you use those gifts in a tangible way this week to help spread the gospel message? And what roadblocks, whether external opposition or internal sin, do you need to give to the Lord to help more clearly embolden you in your walk? Let's take a moment to to reflect on these. Father God, We thank you, thank you for your son dying on the cross, for his promise to give us the Holy Spirit to be a helper to us, to guide us, knowing that we are of a sin nature and it is only by you and your power that we may be your feet here on earth. We're so thankful that the plan that you had before time included us. 
not only included us, but you, you give us the ability to, to spread your gospel message, Lord. Let us never take that lightly, Lord. Let that be something that is in our minds and in, in our hearts every day as, as we are given a, a new gift each day that, of life that you give us. Let us, let us proclaim our, our walk to all those around us, showing it as a beautiful, beautiful display of, of your wonderful grace and power, Lord. Thank you for continuing to be with us and, and allow us the opportunity to spread that message so that more and more can come to your kingdom. You could have just as easily taken us all away already. And for those of us that are believers, of course, we would love nothing more than to be in your sight right now. But it is because of your love. It is because of your grace of all people that you give us this time patiently to be able to spread your news so that more and more can come to, to know your name and proclaim it. Thank you for that, Lord.